Welcome to the show where my friends and I tell real world stories of other world magic. My name is Peyton and I'm into it. So I am so honored and so excited to have as my first guest ever, um, my good friend and extremely powerful um, intuitive Jenny Shanks. So welcome. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So Jenny, um, just a little bit uh, I'm about Jenny. Um, Jenny and I met each other a long time ago when we were both in the medical world. And actually probably even go back further than that because we both grew up in Oldham County and Jenny had my mom as a Spanish teacher, although we were never in, um, in school at the same time. Um, but then um, when I started getting into the intuitive world, Jenny was kind of one of my mentors who kind of pulled me, pulled me along and, and supported me and has become just one of my closest confidants yeah. and just this little ray of sunshine in my life. So I am, I am super excited to have you on, Jenny. I tell you, I don't know how you've been feeling today, but for me, now granted, I'm super hyped up because this is the first, the first episode and I've had all these ideas like circling in my brain, but but the energy around this has been so high that, um, and I think it has a lot to do with because it's you. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. I, you. I have to tell you, I've never heard you say that I have inspired you as a mentor and that just warms my heart. I've always looked at our friendship as just this spirit sisterhood where we rely on each other to dive in and talk about what what's going on in our world. So I yeah. just love and adore you. Oh, thank you. Well, good. I'm glad already I've offered something something good for the day. So that's, that's great. So um, tell me a little bit about just in like a couple sentences about um, who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am a spiritual medium and mentor. I absolutely love connecting with our past loved ones. There is nothing more comforting for me to be able to share that experience with others and let them know that they're still part of our world. They're just in a different form. And then I love to mentor people on learning to discover their light if they haven't found that light and really harness the power of shining it with the world through mediumship, through energy work, through healing, whatever that, that modality may be. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's your elevator speech. <laughs> so who yeah. are you and what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just Jenny. That's what I always say. I'm just, you know, you're just Jenny. <laughs> I love it. It's always like the elevator speech and then, okay, now really like, who yeah. are you and what yeah. are you so, yeah. um, perfect. So I started tuning in this morning to how, to how I wanted this to go. And, um, and like the whole format of the podcast moving forward just kind of unfolded. And so I want to share that kind of format with you so you can get an idea, a roadmap of how yeah. this is going to look. So I've been really fascinated with something called the hero's journey, um, which is um, it's kind of a, a rubric for um, life and transformation that was discovered and maybe not even discovered, but first coined by Joseph Campbell, who's an American um, philosopher and mystic. And, um, and so the hero's journey is basically You've got your, your protagonist, your person living in the village happily um, on their own. And then something happens and they get this calling and they get thrust out into the world. And they have this huge journey where they dive into the spiritual world and they have helpers and mentors and they have enemies and they go through trials and tribulations. And then they have this like um, aha moment that could be any kind of like, um, like an ordeal or like a death and rebirth or something like that. 
mm-hmm. where they really step into themselves and become, and mm-hmm. they're given a gift and then they leave the spiritual world and they travel back to the material world, to their village to share the gift. Mm-hmm. So it comes full circle. Yeah. yeah. And every major motion picture is based on the hero's journey. So Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, um, even Men in Black, I was like Googling this morning, Men in Black is even loosely placed on, on the hero's journey. Um, the Matrix, you know, you name it, like anything, Forrest Gump, uh, The Castaway, like anything is based on the hero's journey. So it's a really powerful, um, a really powerful storytelling archetype. Mm-hmm. So that's, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit with you. And then we'll come to a section um, that I have decided to call five questions, <laughs> which is I got your permission ahead of time um, to tune into, so as, as me being an intuitive, I got permission to tune into you and let spirit um, decide which five questions I would ask you today. And you, you have no knowledge of what these questions no. are. No. Right. And then, um, and like, I have, like, I can't wait to get to that part because you're just going to be like, WTF, right? Yeah. Um, and then, um, the, then the third thing that we'll talk about is um, I'll let you do a reading. And you and I talked yesterday a little bit about you're really, one of your things that you do is you pull a, daily, a weekly card um, for your spiritual community. And so I said, bring your favorite card deck and we'll let you do a reading for the listeners, you know, for all of our friends out there um, who'll be listening to this podcast. So so that's kind of the lay of the land. I love it. I right. love it. Okay. So what was your life like before spirit? I will say before I realized spirit was there because it's been there from kind of day one. Um, I always felt like an outsider. I always felt like I couldn't really connect with other people. I remember when I was a young kid, like I always wanted to be with the adults rather than people my age. And I just struggled with fitting in. As I got into middle school, high school, I found that kind of being funny, I guess, was what people gravitated towards. And so I would oftentimes try to find things that would make people laugh or feel good. Um, And, but it really never connected with me. That's the reality. Like it would make people laugh, but it didn't create friendships or lasting friendships. And so it was kind of always feeling like a bit of a loner, I guess you can say. Like I just couldn't figure out who I was and why I didn't feel comfortable in all these settings that all my friends did, you know, whether it was hanging out at parties or going to basketball or football games or hanging out at friends' house. I just never liked any of that, really. I would be much happier sitting in my room at home in my safe zone, what I call my sacred space. We can call that now. Uh, as yeah. a kid, it was a safe zone. And and it worried my parents. It worried people in my life. Like, why do you want to be by yourself rather than with other people? And I just felt much more comfortable alone um, mm-hmm. because I felt myself really is what happened when I was in that alone space rather than being with other people. Yeah. And as, as a kid, what like, so you're describing your safe zone and now as adults and being in the spiritual practice, we call it our sacred space. But as a kid, what does that look like? Like when you, when you're alone in your room and you've created the safe space for yourself, like, can you go back there and look around and think, what are the things, the tangible things that, that, that created that safe space for you? Oh yeah, for sure. I was, really creative and crafty. I love to decorate. So I had, you know, pieces and decor in my room that felt good, but to other people, it was weird. Like it was woo woo. It was, you know, give me an example. Oh my gosh. Buddha. I have Buddhas everywhere. Like Buddha's just everywhere. (laughs) How old were you when you got your first Buddha? 
Oh, gosh. I mean, I definitely want to say I was probably early teens, I think. I mean, and of all places, mom and I found it at Garden Ridge. And I was like, I need this. I, and my mom's like, why do you need this? And I'm like, I just need this. And it like just evolved. And I mean, I still have all of those. They're just sprinkled throughout my life now. Um, and then artwork, like I always wanted to create and craft. So I was painting. I remember in my bedroom as a child, my mom had bought me um, one of those art tables, literally like the drawing tables. Yeah. And that's where I would sit the majority of the time and either paint or draw or doodle. I definitely wouldn't say I'm like overly creative, but that was just my outlet to feel good in that, yeah. in that time and transition of life where I felt so uncomfortable in the day-to-day life. So there's the Buddha, the artwork, and then there's a third thing. What's the third thing? Oh, music. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't that pop culture kind of gal. Like I was having what I guess now we would kind of create this meditation space or music that we have. Um, I love the Native American music and I love just playing that in the background. And like, and that was weird to people. (laughs) That was just like, wait, you're, you're. 14, 15, 16, and you're what? You're listening to what? I could just see it. I just love it, you know, because, you know, you, you, you on the surface, the way that you look, you're bright and sunny and you look like the girl next door and mm. you're super cheerful and, you know, bring so much joy and so much pep to everybody's life. And then I can just see like, as this like angsty teenager, just sitting in your room by yourself with your Buddha and your drawings and your Native American flute music. Yeah. And dark and like, <laughs> all of it. I mean, and I even remember, like you remember the string that you could buy and it was all organized in the clear containers and then you would make bracelets with it. Like yeah. you would, it yeah. was like, like I would do that. I would do that for hours on end and just make bracelets and just give them to people or give them to my mom. My mom worked at a homeless shelter growing up. So I would just say like, send these on to work and pass them out. You know, like maybe someone else will love them, but I could do that stuff for hours and honestly, never talk to a soul and be completely happy. Like I, that was just what felt great when I was young. And I'm, and I'm wondering now, knowing what I know about meditation and knowing that that's important to you. And it's also an important door to open spirit. If that, like, I'm just seeing you there with those, making those bracelets and that repetitive motion and wondering if that was a space where just with the repetition and the artistic creation, where stuff started to come in for you. Yeah. A hundred. I was, I was, getting into a meditative state, not understanding at that phase of life, that was what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and, and I always had, as I guess we kind of describe it now, like weird sensations of, oh, is someone there? And then you look around and like, no one was there. I mean, that happened my entire childhood. Mm-hmm. And so now I know it was spirit coming in, whether it was someone that I knew who they were, or whether it was just someone who was trying to connect and channel through me that I didn't know. But I, had that eerie feeling, I guess you would call it, like how we would maybe describe it in the human world. Yeah, the creepy crawlies kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like the majority of my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, um, so then, so that was childhood. And then like, tell me a little bit about like the time in your life where you and I met. Mm-hmm. Like what, what was well, going on there? Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I probably had my aha moment with who I was when I was 16 and my grandfather passed. So mm-hmm. I actually felt him physically pass. Um, I was in trigonometry in high school and I just started to doodle like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You'll be with grandma soon. And I got home that day. My dad would always wait for me to come home and um, 
take me to the nursing home to visit my grandfather and he wasn't home. And I knew at that point he wasn't home because my grandfather had passed. Yeah. This all took, I started to doodle about three fifteen that day. And he, um, on his death certificate was marked that he passed at three 30. So I've kind of feel like I channeled into him actually crossing over. Yeah. That was probably the moment that I thought, and I started to tell people about it and people said, wait, what's happening? And I was like, oh, this isn't normal. Okay. <laughs> so finish high school, get into college. Um, at that point, I really kind of started to build the relationship with storytelling and making people laugh and all of that kind of stuff that led me into business marketing and sales. And so straight out of college, which is really kind of where we encountered our worlds really connecting. I feel like our worlds connected for so long before we actually met. Um, I was really in love with what I did because I knew it was helping people. Mm -hmm. I didn't love who I worked for. And so I found this real strong conflict of, well, is this what life is supposed to be? Is this what it's supposed to be? We're in medical sales or is this was was in the marketing? Because you and I kind of crossed paths when I was working in the operating room as a PA in cardiac surgery and you were doing medical sales. So that's kind of where, yeah, that's Mm kind of where we crossed. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of my real first job out of college was straight into medical sales. And yeah, I struggled with it because I loved what I did and I believed in the product and I believed in the transformation it offered patients Mm -hmm. and even physicians and PAs like you. I did not like who I worked for. I didn't align with the beliefs, the morals, the ethics, any of that. And, but you're fresh out of college, right? You're excited. You got a job. You've been programmed your whole life that this is what you're supposed to be doing, you know? And it just became really difficult for those few years I was in it because I was walking the walk, but I wasn't talking the talk. That was it. I mean, I was walking and moving in the motions of what I needed to do to be successful in what I thought I should be doing because of how I'd been raised and taught and programmed. But when I actually spoke, what made me happy, it had nothing to do with what I was doing. Um, And it was hard. It was just hard to see that because it was difficult and feeling like I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like based on what everybody else tells me. And meanwhile, I was so unhappy, so incredibly unhappy. You know, I think that that's so, um, that's such a story that comes up a lot for me and my client when I'm working with my clients one-on-one as an intuitive coach, you know, they, they are doing what they think they should be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're, and they're, you know, there's this, this big societal expectation of the things that we should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And my favorite saying is like, don't, you're going to should all over yourself, right? Like don't should yourself, yeah. you know, like, like that's just, ugh. but then there was something in there that, and so that, that disconnect between um, what you thought you should be doing and what you're, where your heart was calling you, like there's a huge space there, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you're actually doing, which is what you thought you should be doing and where your heart was calling you. And then that's where the conflict and where the, where the constriction, like, so how did that feel for you? Like you're physically miserable. I mean, mentally miserable, but also physically miserable. I was, well, not to mention I was the new be on the team. So, uh, you know, in true fashion of the medical world, like you get thrown into the ringer and you, you're the one that was, you know, working 24 seven and kind of on call when you needed to be and all of that. So I was working physically a lot that was taking a toll on my body. And then I'm standing in the OR, I'm watching miracles happen. I'm watching products I'm selling fix challenges in a human body, which is something I 
as a young child was fascinated with. I mean, I loved the human body. I loved medicine and I'm standing there so miserable. And I'm like, what is wrong? Which then just started all this conflict. I mean, I literally at times was physically sick. It was all I could do to just get myself into that OR, get that product prepped and the physician use it and then get out. Um, And it just, I mean, that went on for a few years of just complete, utter discomfort and disarray in my body. And really ultimately, I think, had I not caught it sooner, created disease, like physical disease in my body. I was lucky enough. I didn't get to that point. Um, But I mean, it, it was probably knocking at the door at that point when everything, when I shifted out of that world. Yeah. So, I mean, how did, when you say it physically affected you, how did it feel? Oh gosh, I was miserable. I didn't sleep headaches, nausea. So I mean, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. My camera here a little bit. Cause I feel like it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's not any better. What new podcast, new camera, new challenges. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're back to where we started. Yeah. Um, yeah it's that physical. Um, and I see so many people that have this, right. That um, the anxiety, yeah. the sleepless nights. Um, what else? Just. Well, recently. and I will say I didn't correlate anxiety with it at that point just yet. I was still um, actually living at home when I, after I graduated college, moved back home. So the, the fear of money hadn't set in because I, I had that foundation there, but the fear of not being able to do life on my own was where it was really wreaking havoc on my soul. So the sleepless nights of, am I doing the right thing? And and the leader of the company, I did not agree with the morals and the ethics. And so then it was kind of like, well, what will other people think of me in this industry? Well, then that starts down this rabbit hole of how you look, how you feel. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you eating you know, good enough? And all of that just, I'm, I'm literally can remember one morning laying in bed. I had a surgery. I had to be at the OR at like 5 a.m. So alarm goes off at 3.30. I'm laying in bed, curled in a ball thinking, how can I do this? Like just do it. And you know, really what was going on was probably my body and my intuition was saying, stop, just get out of it, get out of what you're doing. But logically the brain came in and said, no, this is what you've asked for. This is what you've worked for. You should be grateful for it. And so suck it up. And so of course I sucked it up, drove downtown, got into that OR. And I remember that was, that was actually my last surgery that I did. I remember everything about it. And I remember walking out that day and thinking, how in the hell can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? And sure enough, a turn of events outside of this happened that allowed me to exit quickly. It was a bit tragic the way it happened for me because I wasn't prepared exactly, but I was so grateful it all happened. And I have to tell you within a week of departing, it was like, I was alive again. Like I felt good. I wanted to work out. I felt like I wanted to eat healthy. Like just all of those things that depression and anxiety and all of that takes over your body and just starts to shut it all down. Like it was all gone. It was, I I, I mean, yeah, all of that. And I think that the thing, um, I think that the thing that made the difference for you was being willing to ask the question, how can I get out of this? Like being willing to recognize that something was wrong instead of, Mm -hmm. there's so many people that just are like, well, it's just the, what I'm just having a bad day. You know, I'm going to power through it Um, and aren't willing to be brave enough to ask the question, okay, how can I get out of this? Mm -hmm. Like this isn't working for me. You know, how can I, how can I change this? 
Yeah. Get yeah. me out. <laughs> Tell me what I need to do to get out. I mean, I was just like, right here. I re- yeah, I remember getting into my car that morning. You know, I, I cases, if I only had one case in the morning, it started at five or six o'clock in the morning. I mean, I was out by eight for sure. And I remember sitting in the garage downtown in my car thinking, and I'm seeing all these people arrive for work and walk into work. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm supposed to be grateful, but I'm so miserable. How the hell can you get me out? I literally said, like, how can the hell you, you get me out of this place? How? And, well, and they answered. They told, they heard, they answered, and they guided me right to it. And even though the journey to get out was a bit painful as well, yeah. boy, oh boy, I mean, I would never change it. I, it was a blessing that I didn't understand at the time when it yeah. all took place. But So in the hero's journey, we're, we're stuck in, in our normal material world and, um, and things may be feeling a little uncomfortable, but then, then there's a calling, mm-hmm. like there's an event that happens that they call the calling that yeah. you get thrust out of where you are and you get um, called into um, the spiritual space or you get called onto this journey, the spiritual journey. Um, and so was that the calling for you? That was probably the first calling. There were a couple. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how it goes, right? There's yeah. like, there's a lot. There's a sequel. There are sequels. There's the main movie and then there's the sequels. After. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this might've been the beginning of the main movie, I think. Um, and I will tell you, this journey was almost 10 years in the making. Um, it was not, you know, the first kind of thrust out of it was definitely, I'll never forget that day sitting in my car and, and thinking that. That was it. That was the calling. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was get out of it. And that was when I realized even in my early twenties that it's okay to speak my voice and stand my truth. Yeah. And for so long, you're taught to respect your superiors, to respect people above you, to, you know, all of these, these things that you're told to do. But meanwhile, my superiors, I couldn't ethically and morally align with. And that was really conflicting. So I sh- got out of that, shifted out of that. And I realized at that point in time, it was okay to speak my truth and honor my truth. And so that then led me into the next phase of life, which I loved and, and did great at. And that changed a little bit and it put me back into the medical field again. Um, and that was, uh, there was another awakening in there because I worked for an organization that has a uh, company that is open 364 days a year. And you as a manager work 365 days a year. And that was it. And it was like, I'm sitting here back in misery again. literally. Yeah. And I think our paths are a, a little similar. It's like the, there's a specific um, kind of, I don't want to say misery, but there's a specific kind of um, constriction that comes with the life in the operating room. Mm-hmm. And that's where you and I first met. And that was your yeah. first calling to get pulled out of there. And I, I also got called out of the operating room after 10 years of being in open heart surgery. And then, then you go into something else. That's a, what I call like, OR light. Right. <laughs> so you're still in the medical world, yeah. um, but you think, Oh my God, it's going to be so much better because I'm not in the OR anymore. And that for me, that was the same thing. I, I went to this amazing job that I loved. Um, it wasn't the OR anymore, but it was still in medicine and I was much happier, but there was still something, mm-hmm. there was still, still a hook that was kind of pulling me, yeah. pulling me out of that too. And I, I can look, I can look back on it now and say that that hook was definitely the universe, spirit, God, oh. whatever, like calling me to my true destination. So, so then how did, how did you start down? How did you start getting into doing the mediumship readings? I mean, yeah, you, you ask any medium out there and you know this, any intuitive, any medium, any psychic, they'll say, when did you first know that you like, that's such a can question, right? Like, when did yeah. you first know? And everybody's going to say, I've known since I was a kid. Yeah. So, yes, we know that we can get that off the table. But like, what brought you, 
what brought you into like at some point you did your first reading like how did yeah. you get how did you get from OR Jenny to I'm doing my first reading yeah so my family organized a family group reading and we had a medium come and there was another medium with him and at the end of that time which I was so fascinated I've always been fascinated with this stuff I knew I could communicate with spirit, but I only thought I could communicate with my loved ones. So I actually could not tell you from a young age, oh, I've been talking to people who have crossed over from a young age. I always thought it was just my own family that I was talking with. And so we did this group reading. And at the end, she came up to me and said, you know, are you Jennifer? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, well, look, some stuff came out for you. And I was just so like mesmerized by the things that she was saying and and telling. So fast forward six months after that, I was a bit of a newlywed-ish, I guess. We were a couple years into marriage and just marriage can be hard. Let's be real. I mean, it can be hard. Yeah. And I wanted to speak to my grandfather. I wanted to hear from him directly. So I scheduled a session with her. And sure enough, through that session, my grandfather came through and validated a conversation I thought I was just having with myself in, in a car ride to Nashville one day. And it was actually with him. And at the wow. end, he said, why are you not using these gifts? Ironically, this was only three months into starting my last corporate America job, which had gotten me back into medicine, working directly with physicians again. And I, that was probably the final piece of the universe and my spirit team saying, why do you keep doing this? Like, why are you not honoring what, what gifts you have to share with this world? So I came home that day and told my husband and I said, look, I can do these mentoring sessions. And, you know, look, if, if anything comes out of them, maybe I'll just get to talk to my grandpa again. And that will make mentoring sessions so that, so that, and I I know a little bit about your story here Mm -hmm. so that the woman who did your reading for you then became your mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. So yeah, it was amazing. My journey, I'm a big believer that we should all have multiple mentors and teachers in life. Like we should never learn from just one. My time with her was absolutely breathtaking. I mean, I will hold her near and dear to my heart from forever because she really helped me understand what was going on in my world. And so sure enough, the first session I ever had with her, she's like, okay, I'm going to guide you through. Let's see what comes through. And at the end, she pulls out a picture of her grandmother and it's like identical to what was in my in my head, you know, and I walked out of there and I was like, oh my gosh, I can talk to the dead. (laughs) Jenny Shanks. I mean, (laughs) yeah, all these years, I thought it was just me communicating with my own family. Cause you know, you know, when your grandpa comes through and you feel your grandpa and things about you remind you, well, of course it's your grandpa, you know, and you can hear their voice because you've heard their voice. You can smell them because you remember their scent, like all of those things. So to actually connect with someone I knew nothing about Mm -hmm. and to be so accurate when she showed me that photo was just like, wow, this is kind of unbelievable. I was just like, I was so excited about it. I was just like, well, you got any more spirits that want to talk? (laughs) Like, Come on. Um, And that is what catapulted me to really where I am today. But that took from the moment I was in that car, leaving that surgery, it took 10 years pretty much to get me to the space of being like, okay, how many more times are we going to have to knock on your head and give you challenges to jump through to really surrender to trusting what you should be doing in this world? And all those trials and tribulations, they're just, um, they're just 
in my, the way that I see it, they're just like, we get on the path and we're like, yeah, we feel great. And then we go off here and spirit goes, no, no, come on back here. They just, and then, oh, okay, over here. And then they get, you know, so it's just this constant, like realigning um, with what our true mission is. And, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, um, I want to honor the journey, the 10 year journey, because 10 years um, seems like a long time, but at the same time, like, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I guarantee you can look back over the last 10 years and and not and and be like every crappy thing that I thought was crappy at the time that happened to me got me to where I am mm-hmm. right now and enriched enriched my life in such a in such a powerful way. 100 percent I always say there's always light. There's always light in darkness. Like I, I always get this quote messed up, but there's something along this the the lines of if there wasn't a night sky, there would be no stars to shine. Like I totally believe that, that even when you're in the thick of it and it's hard and it's, you know, uncomfortable and you keep thinking, when is this going to change? Like, when is, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. Like shift that mindset to discovering the light and that will align you. And I, I don't regret anything I've ever done. Maybe other than surrendering to spirit a little bit sooner and trusting that, but honestly, all these pieces have gotten me to where I am today and that I'm beyond, beyond grateful for. So you've had several mentors since your first mentor and there are several more to come. I'm confident. Mm -hmm. There's also always, and this is one of the things that I love about the hero's journey is that um, Joseph Campbell talks about an ally in disguise. Mm -hmm. And so an ally in disguise is somebody who um, looks like an enemy, but without them and without their presence on your journey, you wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. to, the, to the, you wouldn't have come full circle back. You wouldn't have received the gifts. You wouldn't have learned the lessons. Mm-hmm. So when you look back on this entire journey that you've been on, I mean, you can say the past 10 years or really it's been kind of your whole life. Mm-hmm. Who is your ally in disguise? Oh, goodness. You know, I kind of want to say there's been a few to be real yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, I have had, so interestingly enough, I've never really truly been called to have a reading done myself once I just, after we had that family reading and I had that individual reading and I have been gifted readings from people over the years through other mediums they knew and different States and all of that. And there's been two particular mediums. I have to say um, left me feeling really uneasy after mm-hmm. my reading. And I am a firm believer. The reason they were placed in my life was to guide me to know not to leave other people feeling that way, to guide me to stay true to who I am and uplift and light the world. Mm-hmm. And so when people have readings with me, it's, yeah, there might be challenging things that come through, but we always find light through that. I kind of feel like some of these mediums who have entered my life over the, these, you know, last few years, especially have been such a blessing while seeming like an ally. Cause there is as crazy as this seems, there is a lot of competition in this spirit world, like yeah. the healers and all of that. It can get really competitive, which kind of makes my mind spin in circles at times. I don't understand why I think we should all come with love and light, but that's beside the point. Yeah. I fully believe they've been placed in my world, in my life, in my journey to show me how, how to stay true to who I am, how yeah. to stay true to my mission. My mission has always been to never lose sight of who I was before all of this. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can stay true to that, I think that that's important. And I've had 
mentors along the way that have kind of taught me similar things. I've, I've learned things from them that I love and gravitate towards. And there's things that I don't gravitate towards. And it allows me to kind of formulate what makes me unique as a medium and what makes me unique as a healer. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, you know, speaking to, you know, and being, you know, a little bit in the, in the mediumship world, I don't do as many mediumship readings anymore as I used to, but, but there, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I mean, you could call it competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly there are, there are mediums out there who see it as competition. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you say all the time is, is there's plenty of space for all of us. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of your, that's one of your quotes that you say all the time. Like there's plenty mm-hmm. of space for all of us. Like there's, there are not enough of us to spread the messages that need to be spread, but you know, there are people out there and it's not any different than corporate America, you know, or in, or healthcare where there are people out there who feel like it's a competition, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've got to get mine before he gets it, you know, or I'm going to take, I'm going to take this because it's a limited quantity. And, Mm -hmm. and so, so that they don't get it kind of thing. It was a big lesson for me because I, I, when I really stepped into the spirit stuff, I thought, oh, this is, this is a magical world. Everyone loves, everyone shines light ever. And I didn't experience that the whole time. And it, it was kind of like, yeah, it reminded me of corporate America. And I was like, oh Lord, I, I want out of this. Like, that's why I'm leaving all of this. And yeah. so that's, you know, and I really shifted the alignment of who I was around and surrounding myself with, because I wanted to be authentic and yeah. stay authentic yeah. and know, and, and I do, I say this to everyone. You're right. I say this all the time. There's enough for all of us to go around. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, and all of our vibrations are different. And so there's going to be people that gravitate towards me and there's going to be people that don't gravitate towards me. And that's because there's another medium and another healer in the world that yeah. can better serve them than mm-hmm. I can. And I think if we can always all remember that there's enough in the world to go around, then, mm-hmm. then that's really, really the foundation of it. Yeah. And the power and you and I have, have worked together in several different capacities, but um, we've done um, something called connecting two worlds, which is a group, which is really fun, yeah. which is a group audience style reading where it's you, myself and our good friend, Laura Hughes, mm-hmm. um, standing up in front of an audience and doing group readings and um, all three of us, very different style mediums and the power of doing joint readings together. So when there's two or three of us on stage at a time, it just amplifies it so much. And yeah, I mean, I, it, it is something that like, if I could give the world one pro tip, you know, like the pro tip from this would be, dude, just find a way to work together because that's, that's when you work together, there's more than enough work. You know, when you, when you work together, there's more than enough reward Mm -hmm. for everybody. It actually amplifies it instead of diminishing it. So um, you need to remember that pro tip. Pro tip, pro tip from, <laughs> pro tip from spirit through, yeah. through Jenny and Peyton. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the last piece of the hero's journey is that, you know, the hero gets the gift, gets the message, gets the elixir, the magic elixir, elixir that's going to, that's going to cure all ills and comes back into the material world, into the village, into wherever the place where they left, they come back changed and they then turn around and share Mm-hmm. Um, share what they've learned either through stories or through, you know, physical object or, or um, you know, some sort of anecdote. And, um, and so that's, that's what you're doing. Like you've gotten this gift and you've come back and you, you do, you do, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit at the end, but you do one-on-one um, 
spiritual mediumship readings, you do group readings, you have several programs that you're running to help people learn about their intuition and help mentor people to be mediums. So that's how you are transforming the world. The question I also want to ask you is how has this transformed you? Where's your transformation? I mean, like, you know, we can look around and be like, yeah, here's what she's done. And it's amazing. And she's what's the internal transformation? How has being in spirit in this way transformed you? I mean, where do I even begin? (laughs) Yeah, Like right off the top of your head. Like, what is it? Like where internally is the biggest thing I will say is working through spirit is learning my body, both on an energetic and a physical level and listening to it listening to what my body is telling me because my body speaks in a different language than I speak. And so really, truly listening. And that's everything from, no, I don't want to go hang out with this group tonight to, I just need quiet time to, this is a direction in my business. I want to go just all, or even simply listen to your own heart. Like, you know, how are you feeling? Tune into your body. I, with all of that has allowed me to have better relationships with my husband, with my family, with my sister, with my parents, just all of that. It has allowed me the opportunity to look at life as like, I keep saying this, I feel like this is my new tagline, but looking at life as light and that there's always lessons to be learned. And as we surrender and follow those lessons and flow into the guidance that they're coming, that life becomes easier. And really, I mean, that's really the best way I can. And it's hard to hear that sometimes that, oh, life can be easy. It really actually can when you're following your intuition and aligning with that. So I feel like my biggest internal has just been listening. And and I oftentimes talk about my heart center being the connection between my spirit world and my grounding world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, allowing those two worlds to connect at my heart center and just following that. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I was programmed for so long to, to think with my head, but how about you think with your heart? Like, I mean, the energy, I, I heard this somewhere and it may have even been through um, my partner, Peter, but something about the um, electrical en- energy field that's created in the brain with all of the neural activity that's going on up there does not even compare to the electrical field of the heart. Yeah. Like the actual measurable electric yep. electrical field. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. Okay. So, so there's for, for our friends in the audience who are kind of curious around this. So Jenny is a medium and she does mediumship readings and brings the spirit of past loved ones through for other people. Um, and what you're talking about now is your transformation has been in learning to follow your own inner guidance, which, w- mm-hmm. which we're calling intuition. Yeah. Which I love because that's what I'm, that's what I've been like all about. And the, and like, you could not have walked into a, a more perfect web for me to weave this honestly with answering the question that way. But when you say it's like listening to your physical body, I mean, my whole thing is being as both a scientist and an intuitive, the way that I see it is we are these intuitive beings, these divine, spiritual, soulful beings, whatever you want to call it, living in this phys- very physical body. Mm-hmm. And so when our inner um, divinity, our soul, our spirit is in alignment with where we're supposed to be in our life, then our body is in a relaxed state. Mm-hmm. But when our body and our brains take over and it starts doing something that's out of alignment with, with our calling in this world, with our spiritual path in this world, then it, then it, it's, um, it triggers a stress response in our body and it, it becomes a physical symptom, mm-hmm. you know, heart palpitations, you know, stomach gurgling, um, pains in the shoulders and muscle aches. And I'm going to, I hope you're going to share this. I think you will, but I want you to tell me about the most, your most recent experience with not following your intuition. 
which one? <laughs> the, bee, the beehives. Oh, the beehives. Okay. Yes. The beehives. So, <laughs> I'm like, which one? I mean, I'm always testing my intuition. Yeah, and I love that you say which one, because as powerful as a medium and an intuitive you are, like we're always learning, right? Yeah, like there's always areas of growth. Yeah. We're still human at the end of the day. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, I left my full-time job um, and made the decision pre-COVID, but I, it all happened during the middle of the pandemic that I needed to truly honor this. So I did that in April of 2020. And uh, I really just spent the summer grounding. Honestly, I had spent so many years in a traveling and on the road and just kind of all over the place that I just literally spent the whole summer outside grounding. And then all of a sudden, like kind of reality set in, it was like, okay, like you you know, you're doing this full time. You got to get a business plan together. You got to figure something out, which is what evolved into a program I launched at the end of summer. So I ran that program. My husband and I had planned a trip. My husband's turning 50 in 2020. We had all these things planned to celebrate his 50th birthday. And, you know, the summer kind of ends and like COVID's still running rampant and everything is still kind of uneasy. So we still snuck out of town. We went to Key West with some friends. We get back from Key West at the middle of October and it's just like rush for me. I just realized, oh gosh, like the holidays around the corner, all these things I'm launching and doing, you know, need to take place. I had some stuff going on with my parents that kind of was adding some stress. And I kept saying to spirit, if you can get me to Thanksgiving week, I'll be fine. I promise I'll break. Like I didn't schedule anything for Thanksgiving week. Well, Sunday of Thanksgiving week, I landed in the urgent care at night before Thanksgiving or Sunday after Thanksgiving, Sunday before Thanksgiving. All right. I landed in the urgent care at nine 30 at night after a full day of a quote unquote rash, like spreading like wildfire all over my body. I had done a virtual consult with the doctor. He said it was something different. I went with my intuition on this one and didn't listen to what he said to do and took myself to urgent care. So by 1130 that night, the physician comes in to see me after doing a consultation on the phone. She was in one room. I was in another. And I said, oh, I'll just lift my pants leg and you'll see this. Like you don't even need to get near it. And she walked in and immediately was like, this is hives. Right. Um, and so we went through some other stuff. She said, what have you eaten? You know, and I'm going through the history of kind of the last 24 hours. And I'm thinking nothing new, no change in detergent, no change in this. And she, as she gets ready to walk out of the room, she says, I will treat this with a steroid, but you have to figure out the root cause of this. And I thought, oh, I love this woman. Like, I appreciate <laughs> urgent, not, it's urgent care nonetheless, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I will hold this woman near and dear to my heart because I totally appreciated the fact that it was like, look, this medicine will temporarily fix this, but if you don't figure out the root cause, it's going to keep coming back. Yeah. And I remember saying to spirit, like, all right, just get the steroids in me and I'll figure this out. Like I will honor you, but I need some relief. So she turns, gets ready to walk out of the room. She turns back around. She goes, have you been stressed? And I said, Oh, that's an understatement. And she says, there is a classification of hives that's stress induced. And so kind of backtracking even further, 24, 48 hours, we ultimately concluded that it was stress that had created the, what we jokingly say, the beehives. <laughs> that's how we've spoke about them. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, had I listened to my intuition and not pushed myself kind of in that four, six week range, I mean, I was working nearly every night, getting up, working the day. I mean, it was just all I could do to get into bed and get to sleep. So yeah. 
after I started kind of weaning off the steroids, because boy, those things, it's been years since I've been on steroids and those things really make you crazy. So mm-hmm. I started to post Thanksgiving, got off of them. I reset our entire house. I cleaned it all. I saged it all. I set intentions in every room. I moved technology out of our bedroom. So phones don't go in there anymore. Like all of that stuff's out and really started setting major boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one that, you know, Hey, look, if I'm in the car, I can answer a phone call. No, I don't do it anymore. I wait till I get to a space that I can actually wow, give it. That's massive improvement. And that's not, yeah. My thought process like is I do, usually, yeah. yeah, my thought process is usually like, well, of course I'm driving. I can talk like, you know, two things, knock two things out, you know, but no, the reality is I'm not present when I'm driving either on the road or on the phone. And I'm really trying to set boundaries by just staying present in the, in the moment. So um, knock on wood, the beehives have, gone. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I love that you, here's what I love about this story is that you, your intuition was telling you up until even the first hive showed up, you knew that you were pushing it. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I had felt my body for literally weeks telling me slow down, stop, because it was all I could do to get out of bed each day. Yeah. Get my workout in. Cause I thought I needed that, which really was just adding more stress to my physical body in the end and to, to fully function, to be there for spirit, to be there for my students, like all of that. And then in the meantime, trying to run everything behind the scenes of my business. I don't know if you can hear my dog, Charlie barking like crazy. I love Charlie. I know Charlie's great. <laughs> the beauty, like, I don't even know how to edit that out. I'll let, I'll let Peter figure it out, but um, no, I love that. And it's like, so, I mean, you knew, but you were trying to bargain with spirit. And I feel like if you just get me to, instead of actually listening to what your intuition, which is also spirit, your intuition yeah. was telling you to slow down, but you're like, oh no, maybe I can bargain here. Like yeah. just yeah. get me to well, Thanksgiving week. And they're like, we'll get you right up to Thanksgiving week. Yeah. And then we're going to pop mean, a few hives I out. Right? Really <laughs> said, they were just honoring what I promised them. And they were making sure I actually did it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they were like, we're going to knock you out. They're like, no, okay. We're hearing you. We're just going to. Well, I tell you what we'll do. We'll keep you. We'll keep you off a Zoom call because we're going to cover your face. Yeah, on <laughs> yeah. yeah. shut down real fast. <laughs> yeah, I literally slept all week, barely did anything, uh, awesome. and it felt great. It, it was what I needed. It's what I needed. But awesome. um, I love listening it. to your intuition like is so valuable. That's and that's getting into that space. All right, so let's get to the next. So this is this may become my favorite part of the interview process. So um, I have this is going to be called five questions. Right. Again, intuitively, I tuned into you um, this morning with your permission, and I just listened for um, for some questions to ask you. And honestly, I I was going to go into this um, in in a very different way. I'm just going to try to think of good interview questions, like your typical standard good interview questions. Um, But when I let spirit guide the, um, the, the questioning process, I got some things that are, well, we'll see. All right. I can't wait for this. Yeah. Okay. So question five questions for Jenny Shanks, number one, and this is not anything crazy, but what is your biggest fear? Oh my gosh. My biggest fear is letting spirit down. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, in fact, I felt like I was letting them down the last few weeks leading into the beehives. And that is another thing I recommitted is to really, even as intuitives, like we have to work on our energy centers. We have to work on our communication. It's just like working on communication as a human. And so I've taken a major step back in my journey as a medium and really 
working on reopening my third eye and reopening that my clairs that I had felt like had been shut down because I was pushing through all these different directions in life. Explain for um, the third eye is yeah. Your, yeah, your, your vision, your spiritual vision. Mm-hmm. And then, the third eye and then your throat. So third eye is where we see our throat is where we hear and speak. Um, yeah. And those two, I had felt like weren't clear. Cloudy is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And so through the journey of going through healing the hives, I realized, okay, I've got to take a step back mm-hmm. and recommit to spirit and re-honor spirit. And so just like we would create a sacred altar or a crystal grid or something like that, I actually create a relationship with spirit again. And we sit through meditation and we talk about what I will give them as much as they will give me and support me. And as I hold true on my bargain and, and honor them, then they do. And gosh, I can't just these last few weeks of readings have been like, wildly insane. And I know it's because I honored what I promised I would honor with them. So my biggest fear is letting them down. Yeah. And I love that you've taken your, cause honestly, the question that I wrote down was what is your biggest fear and how did you shift it? And mm-hmm. without even me saying that you, you told me how you shifted it. So of course I did. This of course, like two mediums sitting together, having an interview on zoom, <laughs> we can read each other's minds. Ha! No, but I love that because you took your big, and that's so important that we learn because we all have fears mm-hmm. uh, and we all have the monsters in the closet. And as long as they stay hidden, they'll be as big as our mind will let them get. Mm-hmm. But if you take them out and look at them and acknowledge, you know, like my name's Jenny Shanks and my biggest fear is letting down spirit. Well, you've created a way to shift that fear into a really powerful place where you sit down and have a conversation with spirit and you guys have an understanding of what the boundaries are, what the expectations are. Um, so that your fears aren't realized. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. Number two. Yeah. Yeah. What is the monkey on your back? <laughs> the monkey on my back. Yeah. What is the monkey on my back? I'll tell you a hundred percent. This is so funny. I mean, it's not funny because of course you're tuning into this. I have been saying lately, not my monkey, not my circus, not my circus, oh. not my monkeys. I literally say just like that. Because, and I'll tell you what the monkey in the circus is, is people who constantly project themselves as something inauthentic. I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with it. And even a situation yesterday presented itself that it was like, if you, so, you know, not my monkey, not my circus is the red tape. It is the red tape saying, don't enter, don't get near it, don't do it. And that is all that comes up as another beautiful reminder for me to root into my authentic self and stay true to what I committed to from day one. And that's not to to ever change who I am. Yeah, I'll evolve as a human. Of course, we all do. But I will never stop being the person that I was prior to all of this. And that person is someone who's loves and wants to shine light and wants to help people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And yeah. And that, that um, people who are inauthentic are really just people who are living in fear, living in fear and living in judgments. My belief. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a firm yeah, believer. You have two choices in life. You go love or you go fear and fear right. results in judgment and, you know, criticism, all of that stuff. And often, you know, I said this last night to a group of students is that when people, when we speak our truth and our truth is authentic and it's, validating and respecting ourselves 
And people judge that they're judging it because they're jealous. They're judging it because they're uncomfortable because they aren't stepping into their truth. They're judging because they are inauthentic. I mean, that's really it, whether it's a conscious decision or a subconscious decision. Right. The reality is that's why it happens, but their judgment influences us. We allow judgment to influence us. And so if we can step back from all of that, not my monkey, not my circus and focus on us, then yeah. Yeah. That's literally, I literally have a saying, like when people start drama dumping on me, I'm like, not my monkeys, not my circus. Like (laughs) you're going to have to move that on. (laughs) So funny. Um, All right, cool. Question number three, what is the bright, shiny diamond? Oh, the bright, shiny diamond. Gosh, you know what? I mean, like leaning back into spirit. Well, Actually, I just heard two things. Okay. Well, first, the, leaning back into spirit, the bright, shiny diamond is the moment that I see a, a sitter or someone that's receiving a reading from me light up, whether that's lighting up from a tear, whether that's lighting up because they realize who's coming through and what they have to say. That to me just lights my world up. That's the shi- That to me is such a shiny diamond because for them, I know they're getting the healing that they need in that moment. Yeah. Um, when that question came in for me this morning, what I saw was I saw a diamond like kind of twirling like this and it had all these facets and it was shining all this light off of it. And so I just wrote down what is the diamond? Yeah. Well, and then I was going to like follow that up by saying, um, my home, my home, they have worked so hard on making my home feel home. Like, I guess how we would describe in the human world, like feeling really grounded, really stable. I feel safer than I've ever felt in my entire life in my home, in my space. And to me, that's how I can ultimately shine the light and see these. And my home has so many different, you know, phases to it. I mean, first of all, I'm in my childhood home, number one. Um, But, you know, there's all these different phases that I have evolved as a human in this actual structure. And so, yeah. That, that, I, mean, I, I didn't even dawn on me when you were talking this morning, when you were talking earlier in the interview about creating a safe space as a teenager in, in, in your home, in your bedroom. I know that you live in your childhood home, but I, for some reason at that point of the interview, I didn't connect that you're actually in that same safe space because you bought yeah. your childhood home from your parents. Yeah. And so yeah. now you've, now you, as an adult, you have recreated that safe space and it and even after the beehive incident you recreated that safe space so there's always like a coming back to like an evolving and a recreation but always creating a safe space so yeah awesome yeah question number four this is a sweet one what does christmas mean to you oh i love christmas (laughs) great i did not know that (laughs) oh no wonder they wanted me to ask that question That was probably my grandpa coming through. I have been talking about him so much lately. So I, my entire world has been, my my mother and two of my aunts worked at the Salvation Army growing up. So we were always doing angel trees and, you know, counting money from kettle donations and all of that. So I love the holidays. And I think for me, it was this way of giving back, but also I, even into my early adult um, years, I ended up taking from December, well, from Thanksgiving through Christmas, every Monday off from work. And I would spend the day with my mom at her work, volunteering, helping to count money from the kettles because on Sundays they took off for church. And so there was like double kettle counting money. And I loved it. It was such a bond with my mom and I, we would drive to work together. I would either pick her up. She would pick me up. 
and just the joy of all of that. And then we would spend the evenings, you know, at dinner together. And I just loved all of that. About two years ago, so that's my mom's side of the family. About two years ago, a cousin on my dad's side of the family, I think he's like a second cousin, sent me a picture of my grandfather. So my dad's dad, back, I think in the 50s, he would take like the the back, um, above the, the back seats in his car, like where the windshield is in the back, he would decorate it with a nativity scene. And when he would hit the brakes of his car, it would light up. Oh my God. I, so this is the grandfather that always is with you, that talks to you, that we've been talking about. Yeah. This, this yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And I never knew that. I mean, he, I knew he loved Christmas because, you know, it's a big thing. Um, and my, actually my father's birthday's on Christmas too, which is connected to this grandfather. And so it's always been a thing for us. Um, but I didn't know that. I mean, he's been passed for many years. We're, we're almost 20 years. He's been gone. No one ever told me any of that. And when I showed my dad the article, my dad was like, oh yeah, yeah. He had that for a couple of years. I'm like, and you're like, come on, dude. So <laughs> magical. I mean, even like as a child of like our tree, like every Christmas, we had a whole nativity scene under our tree. Our tree didn't have presents. It was a nativity scene that we would build with my dad. And so I think there's just this like collective love of family coming together. But then from my mom's side, like giving and helping. And, you know, it was always so magical to work at the angel tree. It was magical to shop for a child that needed gifts that year. And I just, it warms my heart. Like, I mean, and Brian and I decorated the whole house for Christmas, even though no one's coming over this year, but we love it. Like we just absolutely love it. And it's such it. a magical time. All of it. All right. Well, that, that kind of transitions into with the mention of your husband into the next, the last question, question number five, literally, this is what I heard. What's up with the motorcycle? <laughs> well, my nickname is going to be the motorcycle medium, but you know, there is already a motorcycle medium. So, I mean, I, you know, it, I, that. Oh my God. So you're going to have to find another, the, are you going to be like, yeah, I'm gonna have to find I another, uh, or something who knows? Yeah. Brian loves writing. He rode before we ever met. And then he had some injuries that kind of took him down, which is a little bit out in the country. Yeah. And chose to sell the bike for safety purposes. We were on it one day and almost got hit and it just kind of changes everything. So the bike's been sold for four years, maybe. And Brian, um, has been so blessed to have a job working, um, as a project manager to build a new Harley Davidson in town. And I had a feeling that him going to the Harley to these meetings would itch a little bit. They haven't even broke ground on this new construction site. And a few weeks ago and said, I really want this bike. And I thought, you know what? It's his 50th birthday this year. Like I miss writing everything we had planned for his birthday is not going to happen. And so let's just get a bike. And if COVID continues and we still need to socially distance as spring comes around next year, then we have our little outlet to socially distance. So, I, I um, so it's much. a joy of his, which I, I never imagined you on a motorcycle. I, I, <laughs> I don't know why, but, it, but I just think, Oh God, I learned something new about Jenny every day. And yet she's still Jenny. <laughs> yeah. No, I love I love writing. I mean, I definitely wouldn't say I'm like all leathered out. I'm not, you know, I had someone say to me years ago, well, you don't really look like a medium. And I kind of chuckle at that statement. Like that makes me laugh thinking, well, what did you think I was going to look like a witch or something? Like what, what did you think I was going to look like? Well, I think but I'm not- people have this notion that we, that mediums, I mean, and that's one of, that was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is to make it like, honestly, I think we're, we're normal. It's like the new normal, right? Like 
everybody has this yeah. ability to connect to intuition, to spirit. Yeah. Um, and you just have to be able to, willing to like, literally everybody has this because yeah. it is our divine nature. Like everybody has this gift. Um, and so this is actually normal. And mm-hmm. I think people have this preconceived notion that we're like looking like Stevie Nicks when she was a Fleetwood Mac, you know, <laughs> just like hair everywhere and like witchy yeah. clothes and talking yeah. about like opening our chakra. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> there's a place like, for that. There's a place for that. Hippie. <laughs> right. But gosh, I mean, we're just normal people, you know? I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm on our motorcycles. I love my, and so I do not have my own motorcycle, but I have committed in the spring to take the class to determine if I want my own, which to be really honest, I do want my own. I just, I want my own. And, but we, you know, for safety purposes, we need to just make sure that I can like actually ride the bike like or drive the bike, I guess. Um, so before long, you'll probably see Brian and I showing up together on his bike and my bike when we, you know, meet you guys out for dinner, when we can actually eat in public again and, yeah. you know, enjoy it. Peter and I might come in like a Jeep or something, but not, not on a motorcycle, <laughs> if that's okay. Like makes you happy. Yeah. All right. So those are the five questions. And now thank you, Jenny. That was super fun. Like, I love that. Like yeah, um, awesome. super fun. Um, so now treat for all, um, all of the friends out there who are listening in the community. So Jenny, as part of her um, spiritual practice um, on Instagram and Facebook, every Sunday, she does, she pulls a card for her community um, and interprets the card for her community. So she, we are super lucky to have her um, um, do that for us today. And I, I talked to her this morning or yesterday, sometime in the past 24 hours, and asked her to grab her favorite deck. So let's see what she's got. So here's yeah. here's, your, here's your personalized listener reading from Jenny Shanks. Yeah. I always love having an affirmation for the week ahead, just to kind of clear our minds and set the intent. And, and that's why I, I kind of got into this phase of this. So I am actually using the work your light deck by Rebecca, by Rebecca Campbell. I love this deck. It's so uplifting. Um, so let's just see what we through all of this. Oh my gosh. I love this. Answer the call. What <laughs> is you do? I mean, if that couldn't have been more perfect, I don't know what is. Do you even need to go any further? <laughs> I know. Right. Does anybody like for anyone that didn't listen to their intuition during this journey, then this is, this is it. Here you go. This is what you need right here. You know, the second I pick up this card, first and foremost, well, yes, it says answer the call. What's your soul, soul calling to? I see all these gorgeous colors. And, and when I think of colors and when I tie into colors, I oftentimes think of like a rainbow. And when we see a rainbow, we always get excited, right? Like, where's the pot of gold at the end? Like, what's the magic that's happening? And it feels so incredibly high vibe and uplifting. So when we follow our intuition, when we follow what is calling us, in this world, we light up with color. Our aura starts to radiate. And when that radiates, we create this frequency that we attract that in our life. And so everything just starts to multiply. The other thing I keep seeing is the real importance through this journey, two things through this journey is to sit in stillness and silence. Stillness and silence is where magic happens. It's where the guidance comes in. And if we sit in stillness and silence frequently, we're led through our intuition, through the divine, through whoever you may call upon your higher self, the universe, God, whatever feels aligned for you comes through with the guidance and leads us down the path we need. However, with that, the other thing I keep getting with this message is um, 
learning to flow. Because even though we follow our path, at times we're jolted off of it. Something comes our way, a curveball. And so we, and I, with this card, you see a bunch of water here. That's where I feel all this water back here, where I feel this strong desire to remind people that even as the new year approaches and, you know, the first part of 2021 approaches, learn to flow, learn to just flow and define that flow. Because when we flow, it allows our body to continue to receive messages. It's when we become rigid and when we get set in our ways that things become stiff and guidance starts to slow down. I love that. And that actually, can that be a retrospective message from 2020 up until this point? I mean, I feel like, you know, the people that I, um, that I know who have been really rigid and who have been not really in the flow or willing to go with the flow or willing to change direction with the current for lack of a better description are the ones who really um, struggled through, um, through the pandemic. And I think, you know, if you can just stay in the flow and be willing to change and be willing to be, to be taken, you know, be guided into different directions and trust um, that that direction is going to serve you um, is really great. And I love the stillness I I have this recurring image of of what it's like when we surround ourselves with so much overstimulation, either on either being attached to our phone and social media or running our kids to 18 different soccer games in a weekend or um, like pushing it really hard at work or whatever it is that we as humans do, our, our vast, vast array of coping mechanisms. I imagine like I imagine somebody standing there with like a hundred fingers, like poking them on their shoulders and in their head and on the back of the head and on their legs and all of these overstimulating fingers, just like poking them so that when the finger of intuition comes in and taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, you're never going to be able to feel it because you're so you're being poked in so many different directions by so many different things. And if you can just sit in stillness and pull yourself out of that space Mm -hmm. and sit in stillness and make all of those, um, all of those extraneous um, um, stimuli go away. Then when you're there in that quiet space and that stillness, and then you feel the tap. Right. Boom. There it is. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite way to be still? Oh gosh. I mean, well, probably my favorite way is to go outside and sit in nature. I mean, that's, that's really my favorite, you know, as we approach the winter months, I struggle with that a little bit just because I love being outdoors so much. Um, but I have what we call in our house, a spirit room. (laughs) We just named him spirit room, (laughs) um, where I just, that's kind of my sacred space. And so, um, I have meditation pillows, biomat, just anything that kind of just shifts out. There's no technology down there unless I take something down there. And so it creates space for all that radiation, all that Wi-Fi, all that wildness that's going on in every yeah. other room of your house to just slowly release um, in that space. So yeah. Yeah. awesome. Charlie's listening. Charlie's saying hi. There's probably a spirit around this. No, if there's probably a mailman at the door. That's probably what <laughs> or UPS or Amazon or FedEx or whatever. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. Jenny, I, I cannot thank you enough. This has just been so freaking fun. I knew this I was going to be so much fun. I mean, I, and for me, I just learned some new things about you that I didn't know. So what a treat. Oh, good. I love that. You know how much so, I just love and adore you. So oh, thanks. Yeah. it's good to be loved. So tell me, um, tell us really quick, and I'll put this in the show notes too. How can, um, how can people reach you? 
Yeah. So best way to get a hold of me is jennyshanks.com. That's where you can learn all about the services I have to offer. Um, it'll link you up to the Facebook group I have, which we're always sharing woo woo spirit stuff, crystal stuff, all of that kind of stuff in there. Um, and I, I'm a big believer in the cycles of the moon, the new moon and the full moon. So each month I have released a blog that connects with the moons and crystals and how to support those systems and flow of life, which is all over on my website. Awesome. That's yeah. so great. And then you have, um, this podcast will probably go out like before Christmas of 2020. So you have some um, workshops and some programs coming up yeah. and are there any spaces left in there? And, um, you know, use this time if you want to give us a quick, you know, the elevator speech as to what those are, you know, yeah, of course. Are- so my all-time favorite program, well, I guess they're really all my favorite programs, but if you are new to energy or newer to energy and wanting to learn through your seven main chakras, how they tie to your intuition, because ultimately, as you mentioned earlier, like everything, like everybody's in intuitive, everybody's an empath. And so kind of pulling those layers open and discovering those, I have a program called Root and Rise. It's a 10 week virtual program where we dive into each of the chakras and learn their connection to our intuition, and then creating a toolbox around how to balance, open balance, activate those chakras. And I absolutely love that. That's launching in January, early January of 2021. And then once a year, I host a six month mediumship mastermind program. And so we spend March to August of each year diving into mediumship and all things mediumship. And we pull the layers of who we are out and discover our connection with spirit. And I challenge you, but I lovingly challenge you. And I oftentimes say, I never set anyone up to be uncomfortable or fail. There's only success in the growth here. Um, So that'll kick off in March of 2021 for the next year. Yeah. And if you're, if you're listening or watching this, then um, know that you're a medium. Like, yeah, it's everybody has it. Everybody has it. Yeah. It's just, it, and, and Jenny's really good at figuring out a way that you can connect in that yeah. way. So it looks different for everybody, but Jenny can guide you there. So um, Jenny, it's just been a joy. Thank you so much. I just, I just want to reach. I know you. I miss you. Like I miss you too. I mean, I'm so happy to see you, but i just want to put my hands around you and say hi and give uh, you a big. <laughs> well, one day, one day, one yeah. day in the spring, summer. All right. Well, I love you to death. Um, check her out at jennyshanks.com. And um, thanks guys for listening um, to this first awesome inaugural um, podcast. I am into it. <laughs>